so worthy for all that you have done for us, the blood of the Lamb. You're worthy of our praise. No other one. Forgive us when we get off into different places and we'll stand and we'll shout and we'll yell and cheer on. But with you, we hold our hands down. Forgive us when we've shown or acted like something else is more worthy of our exuberance and our praise and our recognition, God, for you're worthy. Jesus, you're the only one that's worthy of all of our praise. For you've given it all. Your life poured out that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Have life in relationship with you. Having been born again of your very life and your spirit, And in that being born again, the bonds of sin broken over our life. That we no longer serve sin and follow the course of this world. But now we are sons of God. We serve the living God. We serve the brethren. We serve for the kingdom of God and eternity. So we thank you for all that you have done for us. All that you're doing in us. All that you'll do through us. That souls might be saved into the kingdom of God. As we bring a message of salvation, not just with our words, but demonstration of what you have done in our life. To totally change and transform from who we used to be under sin to who we are in Christ. So thank you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Fill us with the knowledge of your will tonight with wisdom and spiritual understanding that we might walk worthy of you, fully pleasing you, being productive in every good work. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they are here tonight. Youth, you can be dismissed. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. How how many of you believe that we're stepping over into some miraculous things? Praise the Lord. About half of you. Amen. How many of you believe we're stepping over into a time of harvest? Praise the Lord. That means there's a field out there of souls that are ripe unto harvest. And so Jesus looked at that. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust laborers into the harvest field. That means us uh, being put into the place where we recognize. He said, lift up your head, right? So sometimes we're just putting our nose to the grindstone. He said, every now and then, right? He said, actually, more than every now and then. But lift up your head and look around you, and you'll see that there are souls that are ready for harvest. Amen. And so sometimes we're just moving along and we're recognizing people as they are in the flesh. But Paul said this, an extraordinary thing. He said, we no longer know at least one another after the flesh. 
Because any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And now everything is of God who's reconciled us to himself and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, wasn't it so kind of him? He said, I'm going to give you the ministry of reconciliation. Then I'm going to tell you exactly what that ministry is. You don't even have to worry about it. He says that you go tell people that God isn't holding their sin against them, but he sent Jesus to release them from their sin so that they could be reconciled to God, right? He said, now you are ambassadors of this message from heaven. Go plead with them. Be reconciled to God. So God wants to put a love in our hearts. He wants to put a love in our hearts that actually, you know, I, God is dealing with me about this, and so I'll just be honest with you. He's, I'm a work in progress, and, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. But at the beginning of the year, this just keeps rolling over. Plead with them. Plead with them. You know, I just see myself begging with somebody to get saved in that wordage. But, you know, it's almost like put everything else aside and how they feel the time is short and just grab them and say, please. Please understand what Jesus did for you. He's not holding anything against you. The devil's lied to you. Make him the Lord of your life. Because he who knew no sin took all your sin so you could live in fellowship with God. Say, wow, would you do that? I'm trying to figure that out. But when you throw everything else aside and see somebody lost like Jesus sees them, huh? So he's given this ministry of reconciliation. And with that, understanding that we preach Jesus to people. We just tell them about Jesus, right? And so even now, and again, not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you know, your testimony of what Jesus has done for you is actually a spirit of prophecy. We're all like, wow, can I prophesy? Sure you can. Let God lead you into your testimony of what Jesus has done. It doesn't have to be an hour long. It can just be, Jesus saved my life. Well, how's that? The spirit of prophecy. Because it's foretelling that if he saved your life, he'll save their life. That their future can be different in Christ. So sometimes we get way out there, you know. Certainly there are people who are called, you know, uh, the spirit comes on them to prophesy. We like that. But he said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so sometimes we get out there prophesying things that have nothing to do with Jesus. Right? So we can always just rein it back in and say the testimony of Jesus lets people know there's a future and a hope for them. Isn't that good? He just brings it right down to where we live and how we can minister, right? How we can minister. One day, you know, somebody out there on the, 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 the front step in first service, they just came to me and said, Pastor, I'm struggling. What's my call? What's my call? What's my call? And I said, well, it, you know, uh, I'll give you the short version but as Paul said it, your call is to become more like Jesus. They said, okay, okay, what's my ministry? I said, your ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. They just looked at me and turned around and walked off into the parking lot. See, so often we're looking for something that makes us feel like we're... But he said, your call, God called you out of darkness where sin had distorted who you were. And he brought you, and Paul tells church after church, I've called you out of that so that you can become everything I originally created you to be. I'm calling you up higher out of sin to be more like me. 
And as you realize, wow, that change has taken place, he said, man, there's a place where I want to tell you, you can be different. Now, does it get more expansive than that? Yes. But sometimes we want to leapfrog a few steps. But the person you work with might just need that simple step of you saying, come on, man, Jesus has done this for me. I just want you so much to experience Jesus. I'm pleading with you. Give Jesus a chance, right? Let him into your heart. Praise the Lord. That's all free. Hey, man, if you weren't here this morning, uh, uh, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. You give them by text. The number is up there. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. You can buy cash or debit or credit card. Uh, Raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're watching online, you can join us in giving. Just go to the website. Uh, uh, go to the give button and uh, you can participate in giving. We're so thankful for your generosity and all that it does. Again, I got a text today. Uh, two more people uh, gave their life to Jesus in the jail. And uh, praise the Lord. And another one uh, rededicated their life. Amen. And so uh, God's doing something in, in just different areas of our community and around the world. And uh, praise the Lord. I'm excited about some of those folks, uh, you know, they're, they're a captive audience in jail, like literally. And so, uh, but Jesus starts to work on them when they come out, uh, they're going to come here or come somewhere in the church and they're going to start growing. And so I'm just excited about those days where we're just going to see that, uh, people coming in and, uh, you know, we may have to just open up on Sunday night, um, you know, how this works, I don't know, but uh, just have it in my heart. I'll talk to the worship team. We may start just uh, closing off the teaching, and we're just going to come to the altar and pray and allow people to just come and leave their stuff before Jesus. So um, praise the Lord. There's something in that, you know. Uh, at a time, it was just every, every single Sunday night, uh, and it just got to be kind of a habit or a ritual, but... Yeah, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, sometimes it just takes a few Sundays in a row for people to just lay it out there, consecrate it, get it all left at the altar, so to speak, and uh, go on and say, man, I left that all back there at the church. And, uh, you know, you really left it somewhere else. You brought it to Jesus. You were burdened and heavy laden, and we come unto him, and then he gives us rest. Praise the Lord. Amen. So. Don't know, got some things rolling around, just letting you know so you can be praying about it, uh, but don't ask me about it later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Try to work through some stuff that's going on in my mind right now. All right, let's uh, take the offering. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you, God, every opportunity that we have to give. You said as we have opportunity to do good, uh, to take advantage of that opportunity, especially in the household of faith. And so we're so thankful. We're so grateful, God. We thank you for those souls saved into the kingdom of God, those men who gave their life to you today in the jail that you came into their heart and you're beginning a brand new kind of life and a brand new quality of life that they might understand freedom like they've never experienced it before. And though they may think they're bound in there, I thank you, Lord, in their heart, they have been set free. I thank you, God, you continue to speak to their hearts, that they see direction and they understand what you've done, that when they come out of that place, they're brand new creations in Christ. They don't go backwards to an old way of life, but they find that new kind of life and they live it to the full. 
and share it with others. So we thank you, God, for what you're doing in our midst, what you're doing through uh, uh, people who are bold to go and share the gospel. I thank you for harvest coming in of souls. I thank you for harvest coming in for each and every person, for every need to be met in their life according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, open your Bibles with me to Romans, the eighth chapter, as the, the buckets are going by. We have been uh, sharing on Sunday night some things uh, that we began um, a few weeks ago. We were in the book of Romans. We stopped a couple of chapters short. I just felt impressed on Sunday morning. Uh, uh, it seemed that the Spirit of God brought forth uh, something, and in the midst of that, he, he instructed us, and I've talked to some people since that. I was in a couple of meetings with other ministers. We sat down. I was asking them kind of what the Spirit of God was dealing with them about, and uh, it seemed to be along the same lines with what God is doing, and uh, he said that he wanted us to concentrate more on the Spirit within than the Spirit upon. And so, you know, we have to kind of work through some of what that means, but so often we, we, we just start thinking about the Spirit upon and how it's out upon us and how it's going to work actively, but the Spirit of God in us as believers is incredibly important to our life and really to allowing that, the power of God, the resurrection life that is in us to be released through us, yes. Right? And so, uh, again, there's transformation that takes place by the Holy Spirit in our spirit. There should be transformation taking place. And so the enemy tries to come and say, you cannot be different. There are some things that have taken place, and that's just going to be a hard sell. Well, it's supernatural. But again, we're talking about faith and operating by faith. And there's all kinds of different things that come down the line, but we're talking about faith. And so, you know, if I'm believing for someone to be changed when I lay hands on them, but I don't believe that that same spirit can change me, there's a disconnect somewhere. It's good for you, but it's not good for me. It's miraculous power for you, but it's not miraculous enough to change me. So I believe as we begin to see the transformation in us, there's going to be an increase of faith in you. There's going to be an increase of boldness in you, right? Again, beyond personality, there's some bold personalities, but a bold personality won't necessarily get the job done if it doesn't understand the power source that's working. And so Paul would say, I mean, he said this in 2 Corinthians 4, the power is not of me. There's a treasure in this earthen vessel, and the power is not of me, it's of God. Amen. Right? So we're, we're, we're believing for harvest, we're believing for the supernatural, we're believing for the miraculous, and that's good, but many times our mind gets out here, boy, I hope we have a miracle service and I can see a miracle. But how cool to look in the mirror <clears throat> and see a miracle. We wake up in the mirror and go, oh, dear God. And then we're like, I can't wait to, if, if, they'll do, if they'll do something at church, if the Holy Spirit will do something at church, I can see a miracle. And he's like, uh, take a look. Today, 
And then I'm going to start something and keep looking so that if you're paying attention one day, you'll go, oh, God lives in you. Amen. So we're moving somewhere with this that, that I believe is, is powerful. Because I believe we're in that time. We've crossed, we're, we're stepping across a threshold into something bigger. But you can observe something out here. And Jesus said that many times. He said, you're trying to observe something out here. And the kingdom of God is among you because he was there. But he said there's coming a place where the kingdom of God is in you. And so the observation is not out, just out here, but it's in here. And just as the, 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 the you know, in the, he said in the last days, just as in the days of Noah, right, there was an outpouring. Well, there's an outpouring that's going to come from heaven, but all the waters were actually released from every spring of life to flood the earth, right? And so the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill all the earth, and some of it's going to be an outpouring from heaven, but a lot of it's going to be outpouring from the inside of believers. Wellspring. Jesus said there's a wellspring of life springing up on the inside of you. A wellspring of life springing up on the inside of you. So Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter, starting in the eighth verse, he says, uh, so then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Somebody say, the Spirit of God dwells in me. Come on, say it again. The Spirit of God dwells in me. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, the old nature that was dominated by the outward man is dead, and there's a new nature. He told the Corinthian church, the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. But if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit, who dwells in you. Come on, he's going to give life to your mortal body. Pastor Craig has a testimony. Uh, uh, many things were happening at the same time with his heart, COVID, number of things. And, you know, I, I remember because I, you know, I, I work with him every single day that this is one of his scriptures that lodged in his heart early on in his salvation. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, it'll quicken my mortal body. It'll make it alive unto God. It'll bring healing and health to my mortal body. He said he's, he's between heaven and earth. I mean, that's, and they said he, you know, he was close to death. He said, but he heard himself saying, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, and he's quickening, he's making alive my mortal body by the spirit within me. Come on, the spirit within you is doing something in your mortal body. It's, it's energizing you. It's strengthening you. It's, it's healing you, right? The spirit of God, he is at work in you. He's at work in me. He said, therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, 
Come on, we're going to get into some times that, that are going to be what we call busy times, what most people are afraid of right now in the church. Oh, my God, if there's a revival, we're going to be busy. <laughs> we can't get more busy. But he's saying, just listen, uh, there's the same amount of time that there always has been. But what you do with it will be important. And when we get busy with God, sometimes your flesh says, man, you've been busy. You deserve a break from church today. You deserve a break from God. You don't owe your flesh anything. Everybody's like, wait a minute. What are you saying? I'm not going to get a vacation? No, I didn't say that. I'm just saying your flesh will start to say, my God, you're so busy. You need a break. Take a break. But you don't owe your flesh to take a break from God. It'll wear you out. In fact, most of the time people get wore out because they're trying to accomplish something in their own strength that if they would just let the grace of God kick in, they would do it under the ability that he gives. And in fact, if you're going to do the will of God, it will wear you out if you try to do it naturally. Because if God gives you something you could handle in your own energy, in your own strength, it's not God. Because then you don't need him. And then, of course, when you don't need him, you can say, look at me, look what I've done. But when you recognize, man, I cannot do this without God. There's no way I can do this without God. Then he meets you. You say, I'm doing it. I'll obey you, God. But you know I can't do this on my own. He says, I never expected you to do it on your own, silly. I mean, I'm sure... I'm not the only one here that saw something God said to do and said, oh, my God, I can't do that. I have a wife. I have kids. We can't do more. And then you pause and you're like, he didn't change his mind. He didn't go, oh, gee, I'm sorry. Got the wrong person. I forgot you had a wife and kids. How silly of me, God. No, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows you. He knows your job. He knows your kids. He's no, he knows if you put too much on your plate that he didn't put there, he's trying to help you. And if he puts more on your plate, he says, if you'll obey me, I will meet you there, and you'll do more than you ever thought, hoped, or dreamed. He said, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh or of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so he just tells us about this Spirit within quickening us and then empowering us to do something. He goes on to say the Spirit of God in our spirit begins to bear witness with us of our, that we're sons of God. And he bears witness that if we're sons of God, then we're heirs of God and we're joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, whatever Jesus had, we have. Whatever he, Jesus had, we have. What makes you think that? Well, the Bible says it, but the Spirit of God will begin to bear witness with your human spirit. You're a child of God. And since you're a child of God, right, if you're like, I don't know if I'm a child of God, I messed up yesterday, open up your spirit. The Spirit of God will say, you are a child of God. Well, I don't know. Other people say, well, it doesn't matter what other people say. Dear Lord, if you just take what other people say, you'll be on a roller coaster ride that won't end. Right? We need to start saying what he says about us. 
what he says about us. Because people will say good things and you'll be like, woo, praise the Lord. Then somebody will say something bad and it doesn't matter what they say. It matters what he said and what you agree with. Because you can agree with what other people said. Oh, you know, maybe I am what they said. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Or maybe I'm all that. Wow, maybe I'm all that. I don't deserve anybody to say nothing. I'm all that. He says, well, you can believe that, or you can believe this, or you can believe God. Amen. All right, turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Focus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. He said, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. One place he said, it's the mystery hidden from the ages. In other words, this idea of Christ in you and Christ in me, God kept secret. Why did he do that? Because had the devil known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Had he known crucifying Jesus, God raising him from the dead, would break the power of sin and open up the hearts of men for him to come in and fill them with the fullness of himself. The devil never would have crucified Jesus, but it took the crucifixion and the spotless blood to be shed for man to be saved. So he kept it a secret. And as soon as Jesus raised from the dead and ascended, he brought Paul up into heaven. (laughs) Paul said, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I could not tell. That's pretty fun. It's like, I don't know, it was super real. But then it was super surreal. I was right there in heaven. What was that like? I'll tell you a couple things, but I can't even tell you everything about heaven. Isn't that cool? Paul's like, man, I was caught up into the third heaven, and I saw stuff you can't even talk about here. Why? It would blow your mind. He said, but what I can tell you about is I got the mystery hidden from the ages. The total purpose and intention of God in Christ, and that was to set man free, and then not just walk with man. Because when I was just walking with man in the garden, he made a big mistake. So I'm going to come and put myself in him. So that he has a power source when the enemy shows up to absolutely reign in life over the devil. But if man just thinks, well, God's with me when I go to church... He's with me in my prayer closet. So the devil will come all. But the moment we figure out he's in me every second of every day. He said, God gave me this revelation to share. That is Christ in you. Your expectation of glory. What is that glory? That glory, the presence of God, the splendor of God. So what's your expectation of living in the presence and the glory of God? He's in me. His presence, the fullness of him who fills everything with his presence. He's filled his church. He's filled me with himself. So his presence goes wherever I go. So things should be different if that was the case, if we only knew. 
if we only knew and didn't take it to ourselves. Come on, this is what I'm telling you. This is what I believe we're getting at, but we're not quite there yet. We can mentally ascend to this, but the moment it drops down, you're going to know wherever I go, not just mentally, where I go, he goes. Where I go, he goes in me. Wherever I go, there's miracle working power. Wherever I go, there's authoritative power over the devil. Wherever I go. And we get that and we know I'm safe in the arms of God. He can take you places you never thought you would go. He'll take you places you are afraid to go. And you'll show up and the enemy will be afraid that you came there. But we're looking for it to happen out here. He says, I'm working something in you that's glorious. Praise the Lord. All right, so turn over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, I can already tell we're not going to get where I thought we would get, but here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 17, you know this very well, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and that's what we want, faith to come. Man, I believe before, like never before, Christ dwells in my heart. Paul prayed that, that we'd be strengthened in our inner man by the Holy Spirit of God, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. In other words, we're so convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt Christ lives in me that now we're rooted and grounded in his love, steadfast and immovable. He says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Other translations say, where the spirit is allowed to be Lord, there's freedom. Now listen, if you knew he was in you running the show, you'd have freedom. Right? So we didn't pray, I I believe Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead so I can get to heaven. When you said Jesus be Lord, you said be master. So he said, wherever the spirit of the Lord is master, there's freedom. Now, that'll tweak your natural mind. Now, wait a minute. If he's my master, how can I be free? Because he's the master of freedom. Right? He's the master of the course of what you were created. So you're not just free. God didn't just set you free to do whatever you want because sin will always captivate you. It says the blood of Jesus came, not the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus redeemed us to be free from sin, free from sin consciousness to serve the living God. So actually serving God through the lordship of the Holy Spirit and Jesus is actual freedom to be everything we were created to be. He said, but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. Somebody said, I'm being transformed. Say it again, I'm being transformed. He said, we're being transformed into the same image. The same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
He said, something's going on. He said, well, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what that image looks like. You said the same image. We don't have time to go there, but you can go there. Go to Colossians chapter 3. He said, you know, you can do this study this week. He said, put off the old man, which was under sin, and put on the new man, which was created or recreated in the likeness and the image of him who created him. And then he goes on to tell you all those attributes. So when it says the spirit, when he's Lord, by his own glory, he's taking us from glory to glory to transform us into that same image. You just have to go to Colossians and say, what does that image look like? And he shows you the characteristics of that image. And you can let the Holy Spirit begin to transform you into that image of which, in part, we are talking about today. Now turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, this is right after he's told, he starts Philippians chapter 2, and he says, you know, that we should walk in love even as Christ did. We should esteem one another uh, highly, uh, you know, more, um, more than ourselves. We talked about that this morning. Then he goes on to say that Jesus humbled himself and came in the likeness of flesh and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And, and then it says that God has highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and below the earth. Every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that's what he's talking about. And then he says, therefore, in other words, because of this, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, because Jesus humbled himself to change your life, he said, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, listen, if you just look at that, you start thinking and go, all right, I got to work out this salvation that's in me. But I want to read to you from Kenneth Weiss' word study about this. This will be a little bit lengthy, but uh, just try to stay with me. And uh, if not, you can find it there. Uh, There's a number of ways you can get there. But it says uh, in this, he said, then he exhorts them, speaking about here in, in chapter 12, then he exhorts them to work out their own salvation. Let us be clear, first of all, as to what this exhortation does not mean. It does not mean to work for, it doesn't mean to work for one's salvation, Or for two reasons. First, Paul was writing to those who were already saved. And second, salvation is not a work of man for uh, for God, but a work of God for man. A work that was accomplished at the cross. Neither does it mean to work out an in-work salvation. That's what a lot of people think. Nor does it mean to work out an in-worked salvation which is merely a play upon English words, work out, and has no support from the Greek. The words work out are, trans, uh, are the translation of a Greek word, which means to carry out to the goal, to carry to its ultimate conclusion. We say the student worked out a problem in arithmetic. That is, he carried the problem to its ultimate conclusion. This is the way it is used here. The Philippians are exhorted to carry their salvation to its ultimate conclusion, namely Christ-likeness. The salvation spoken here is not justification, but sanctification. 
victory over sin and living a life pleasing to the Lord Jesus. He said, when you got saved, carry it to its final conclusion, Christ-likeness, which in Christ-likeness, we have victory over sin and we begin to live a life pleasing to God. They are to see it in that they make progress in their Christian lives. They are not to do this with fear and trembling. This is not a slavish terror, but a wholesome caution. This fear is self-distrust. It is tenderness of conscience. It is vigilance against temptation. It is the fear which inspiration opposes to high-mindedness in the admonition, be not high-minded, but fear. It is taking heed lest we fall. It is a constant apprehension of the deceitfulness of the heart and of the insidious, insidiousness and power of inward corruption. It is the caution and circumspection which timidly shrinks from whatever would offend and dishonor God and the Savior. So he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying be afraid of God. He's saying carry your salvation through to its ultimate conclusion, which would be Christ-likeness. With fear and trembling, in other words, be cautious of the old nature coming back. And be so sensitive and cautious of that because you wouldn't want to do anything that would displease God and Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then he goes on to say, it's God who works in you. But he said this, he said, this is human responsibility. In other words, the carrying out our salvation to its ultimate conclusion is our responsibility. It's the human responsibility. Now, I know people are like, great. I thought we were talking about the spirit within. All right, we're about to get to that. I'm glad you asked that question. It says in verse 13, we have a divine enablement. So he's just saying, if you know your responsibility, then you're like, wow, how am I going to do that? And then he says, I'm going to empower you or enable you. The saints are to carry their salvation, which God has given them and which thus belongs to them to its ultimate goal, always remembering and depending upon the fact that it is God who is working in them both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The word worketh in the Greek means to energize, to work effectively. Our words energy and energize come from it. The word will are translated from the Greek to mean to desire and refer to a desire that comes from one's emotions rather than one from, from one's reason. It is this desire to do the good pleasure of God that is produced by divine energy in the heart of the saint as definitely uh, subjects, as he definitely sub subjects himself to the Holy Spirit's ministry. He says, so when I take responsibility to carry this out, the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to work my desire and the ability to do by the Holy Spirit of God. So in other words, we can go, I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to do that. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit working in you and energizing you to do it. 
Your own desire can go, I desire, but man, I'm tired of trying to do this. But he energizes us to keep us from getting tired. He's making him not only willing, but actively desirous of doing God's sweet will. But he does not merely leave the saint with the desire to do his will. He provides the necessary power to do it. This we have in the words to do. The Greek construction implies habit, the habitual doing of God's will. In verse 12, we have human responsibility. In verse 13, divine enablement, a perfect balance which must be kept in the Christian life is to be lived at its, if if Christian life is to be lived at its best. It's not a let go and let God affair. All right, we'll just let that set in. Just let go and let God. He says it's not a let go and let God affair. Praise the Lord. It is a take hold with God business. It's a mutual cooperation with the Holy Spirit in an interest and an activity in the things of God in an interest and an activity of the things of God. Praise the Lord. The saint must not merely rest in the Holy Spirit for victory over sin and production of the holy life. He must, in addition to this dependence upon the Spirit, say a positive no to sin and exert himself to the doing of the right. Here we have the incomprehensible and mysterious interaction between the free will of man and the sovereign grace of God. (coughs) Praise the Lord. That's a mouthful. So, again, I got this from Kenneth Weiss' Greek word study, but I love that. He said, listen, we are always struggling. Remember in Romans, we talked about that. Get that struggle. If God has a sovereign will, then why are we doing what we're doing? God will just do it. And Paul said, listen, you have a part to play. God has a part to play. And so even in God's will taking place in our life, we have a responsibility to say we've been saved and we need to have be conscious of carrying that out and moving away from sin. But then all of a sudden the consciousness goes, I don't know if I can do this by myself. And we can't. And so he says, the Holy Spirit is in you. And now there is a working together with the Holy Spirit. Life with him. Not just in church, but everywhere, a working with him because he's in us changing things. All right, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Are you all with me? I know that was a lot of reading, and uh, I hope I didn't put you to sleep with that, but if you can find that and go back and read it, meditate on it. Uh, If you can't find it, we can probably get it printed off if you want it. And uh, you can meditate on it, but it's powerful because we've looked at that and said, work out your own salvation. And most people I talk to, they're thinking about, I got I to gotta work this salvation out. I got to work it. But it's really just carrying it out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead of thinking, man, I got to do this, it's a matter of he's working the desire and the will and the power to do it. We're in cooperation with one another. And so he's doing something here. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, you know that. He says, uh, if, you, if we'll walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So he's saying this in, in, in part. He said, don't use your freedom as a liberty or an occasion to the flesh. And so they could say that, but then he, he explains what the flesh is and the difference between the life of the spirit and the life of the flesh. He goes on to list, uh, uh, he said they war against one another or they're contrary to one another. So every Christian has this battle of the old man wanting to do what he's trying to bring you into debtorship right, to debt of the old man, which he says we're no longer debtors to the old nature, to the flesh, but the flesh will always try to bring you over, and the spirit will always try to pull you against the flesh so you can live a spiritual life. They're contrary to one another. Well, who settles the issue? We do. When you get born again, it starts pulling. There's be something in you. The flesh is pulling. The spirit's pulling. Why? Because the spirit doesn't want you to do what your flesh wants to do. And your flesh doesn't want you to do what the Spirit wants you to do. You have to decide. And when you decide, I'm going to go with the Spirit, and you do what we just said out of Philippians, now he's empowering you to go with the Spirit. And he said, if you'll go that direction, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Boy, I hope that's true. <laughs> right? Somebody just said that in their mind. I hope that's, well, it's not a hoper thing. We, we have to get that down in our hearts and, and know it by faith. And so he goes on to talk about the works of the flesh. We're not spending time on that uh, uh, right now. But he goes to the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this is the inward working of the Spirit to bring a harvest or a transformation, right? This is the old nature. The flesh is the old nature. And he talks about the like. He even ends it with the like. So everybody's going like, well, I don't, I don't check. I don't do that. Check. I don't do that. He says, there's stuff like this. Your flesh has been held captive by sin. But now the spirit of God dwells in you and he's producing something different. But the fruit of the spirit is love. We talked about love. And so, you know, through this, I've given you some action items concerning that. And so how do I start working on love? We have great books out there. I told you about those books, but you can also go to 1 Corinthians 13. If you're really active, make it into two columns. This is what love does do. This is what love doesn't do. And find out, be honest with yourself and say, man, on my side of the column, I'm doing more of what love does not do than what love does do. And then just start saying, I am willing to be a lover of people. Right, he just said, you gotta, you gotta take your responsibility and say, you know what, I'm not doing really great at this love thing because I've just been honest and I took 1 Corinthians 13 which has a list of things that love does not do and a list of things that love does do. And I'm telling people I love them but I'm mostly doing things that love doesn't do. So they're not feeling it. So I own it and I say I need help with it and the Spirit of God says, I'm glad you asked. I'm right here to help you produce the God kind of love as an everyday outspring of your life and my life. Man, if we could just see the power of that. Jesus came on people and he was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, healing power flowed. Not because Jesus was trying to be popular, but he loved them and hated the position that they were in, the bondage that they were in. And so all of a sudden, there's something that moves power when we have love. So if we want to develop it, we can't just go, whew, that was a good message on love. We want to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And we talked about joy. Joy. Man, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy. And so we shared with you six ways to induce joy.
I mean, anybody practice any of those six ways to induce joy? Praise the Lord. And it works. Doesn't it work? It's pretty simple, but it works. And so all we're trying to do is be conscious of the Spirit working in us. Because often we'll hear this, the fruit of the Spirit, and then we'll walk out and we'll be sad. Somebody will come against us and we won't walk in love. We want to be conscious of it every day. Because the more conscious we are of our response to it, the more conscious we are of the inward working. The more conscious we are of the inward working and transformation, the more confidence we get. That guy, Man, if he could change that in me, just think what he could change in you. Not like you need to shape, shape up, but if... I release that from me to you. Sometimes we're like, what if I pray for them and they don't, nothing happens? Where's that come from? Because I've prayed and nothing's happened in me. But this is a lot less about praying for something to happen in us and yielding to the happening. Taking responsibility for the happening as we read, all right? And so that joy is there. All right, real quick, the third thing is peace. Peace. Turn over to John chapter 14. We're going to go through these real quick. John chapter 14. Jesus said this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Right? It's not like what worldly peace. It's not worldly love. He says, I'm going to give you my peace, which is extraordinary. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So listen, this peace, we know that perfect love casts out all fear, but this peace keeps the things of the world from causing you to be afraid and troubled. It's powerful. This peace is powerful, this peace of God. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, he's just gone through a number of those attributes that we, we just talked about, changing your life or the attributes of the image of him. And he begins to bring that to an end after he talked about the love of God being the bond of perfection. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So like, like, let peace rule in your midst, in the body, in you. That peace in your, the peace certainly in the, in the church brings about all kinds of things in that body, but in your body, scientifically, peace in your body has all kinds of health and strength attributes. And be thankful. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Whatever you do uh, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he said, let the peace of God rule. That word rule from the Greek means just like we would say, be the umpire. Let peace call the shots. Right? There's something inwardly, there's a calm, there's a, a place inwardly that, that says, you know what, this doesn't seem right, this does seem right, I, I'm at ease about this. He said, let, let peace be the umpire, right? There's things, there's, we're coming into a time of being led by the Spirit of God. It was prophesied to us, but I think in general, Mary Frances Varallo was here uh, at one time, and she said, we're coming into a time that being led by the Spirit of God is going to be more important than ever before. There's going to be times when God just says, don't go in there. 
And instead of fighting that, just going with that peace on the inside, right? Don't do that. Don't be upset about that. Right? The enemy will come to agitate you, and the Spirit of God will bring a peace to say, don't let that happen. When, when Jesus said to Peter, he said, Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. What was he saying to him if you studied it out? He said, he's going to bring circumstances to so agitate your mind that you'll bail on everything that you believed about me. And man, it started to happen. He was sitting there watching Jesus get beaten, get spit upon, get mocked, and he was getting shook up. And they said, you know him. And he's like, I don't know him. Right after he said he'd never deny him. Well, where'd that come from? The enemy was so agitating his mind that he made a wrong decision. But the peace of God will rule over that. It'll rule over that. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I know you know these scriptures. We're endeavoring to put them together. It's a, the fruit, not the fruits the fruit of the Spirit. This is the life with all of its components. It's the life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit has the attributes of love and joy and peace, a peaceful life. And so Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There's that joy. He said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious or take anxiety for nothing. Somebody say nothing. Nothing. Right. Sometimes we make our excuses. We can be anxious about this. We can be stressed about this and it's okay. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, somebody say in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. And it'll set up a guard on your mind. Have you ever been in a situation, and you go into your prayer closet, and you get deep in your prayer closet, and it's like, it's like it's gone. It's like, you know, this thing is changing. I'm with God. This thing is changing. And you start rejoicing. This thing is changing. And it becomes so real to you. This thing is changing. Oh, glory to God. I've prayed and it's changing. And then you step out of your prayer closet and look that person in the face and you're like, this didn't change a bit. (laughs) Well, you went into prayer to get that peace. So when you came out and it didn't change a bit, you went, but I'm okay with this because I know it's changing. Because God is at work in me. And I'm carrying my salvation through to the end. You ain't stopping it right here. Thank you. Praise the Lord. There you go. All right, Isaiah 26. We're getting ready to close. Isaiah chapter 26. We're working in cooperation to bring about this new kind of life and this new quality of life that is filled with life and it's filled with power. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. peace. Keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you 
because he trusts in you. Wow. Praise the Lord. So from Philippians chapter 4 and from this one, we can see that even what Jesus uh, encouraged or, or warned Peter about is so much of peace being stolen from our life is right here. It's in our thought life. It's the area where the enemy starts to agitate, work up, stir up, shift and change around. Praise the Lord. You know, we were talking to our oldest daughter uh, the other day and, you know, she was, uh, we were just talking about some stuff and she started saying some stuff just um, really it edified us a lot, but in edifying us, it humbled me a great deal. I'm just sitting there going, wow, wow. You know, I just wanted to say, wow, thank you. Wow, you know, just about brought me to tears. It was so humbling. It was just so, ah. And I'm thinking, praise the Lord. And then right after that, somebody sent me a text and just called me about the worst thing you could ever call somebody. And I was like, all right, praise the Lord. <laughs> Seriously. I had to say, well, I could go over here, go over here. But, you know, I was just humbled and honored by what she said. I didn't just get all excited and run around the room. I was just like, wow, thank God. Then somebody just said something bad, and I didn't immediately. I was like, my God, wow, wow. But then I had to just say, thank you, Lord, for peace. I can't get all upset about this. This is just the devil, right? Because he, I mean, my mind, even when I went, okay, praise the Lord. I have to preach here pretty quick. (laughs) I need to get in the right frame of mind. But I had to get that all captured in a moment's time. And then begin to let the outflow. But the enemy kept saying, yeah, but what, what, aren't you going to respond? What? Say, no, no, I can't do that. You have to let peace rule. You have to let peace. Because it comes to everybody. One minute up, one minute down. Bring somebody to compliment you, somebody to take you, tear you down. All of a sudden, this doesn't work out. I'm rejoicing that I'm prospering. And then a bill comes in the mail. You know, that one's... Always stump me. Woo, praise the Lord, I'm prospering. And a bill comes in the mail. It's like, oh, the world is falling apart. Well, when you were rejoicing yesterday, that bill was actually in the mail. Nothing's changed. So what stirred you to rejoice before you actually saw it? I believe God. So why, when you saw it, did your peace just fall out the bottom? Because the enemy's trying to steal that from you. So how do we do that? What do we have to do? So here's your assignment. Go back to Philippians chapter 4. I'm giving you some assignments on Sunday night. And if you do them, I believe you're going to start seeing change. If you're not doing them, oh, yeah, I forgot about that love thing. (laughs) Well, I'm reminding you. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that joy thing. I'm reminding you. Well, do you think I can do the love thing and the joy thing and the peace thing all in one week? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want love and joy and peace all in the same week? Well, could I just have some love this week and maybe some joy next week? Maybe you can have whatever you want. As your faith is, so be it unto you. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Hallelujah. 
In verse 8, he said, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's anything virtuous, anything morally pure and powerful, anything worthy of praise, meditate on these things. So your assignment is to make a list of put down something that's noble, something that's just, something that's pure, something that's lovely, something that is a good report, something that's virtuous, and something that's worthy of praise. And put it down and start meditating on it. Because we can look at that and go, okay, whatsoever things are true and noble, and then we don't find something true or noble. So I just want you to find something that's true. Not something that's factual. Something that's true. Right? Something that's noble. Something that, you know, is just and praiseworthy. Things that are pure. Write that down and meditate on it. And every time the enemy tries to get you anxious or disturbed or disrupted, break out your list and meditate on it. And then rejoice and then say, I'm walking in love. Put it into practice. Praise the Lord. Because there's things, you know, you just have to go through life. People are different. You got to figure out how that works for you. So we're going to close. I'm going to just tell you this story. It's kind of funny for us. But Tasha ran into something uh, just a while back. And so she's talking about it. She's talking about it. Then I have a comment about it. And then she's talking about it on a comment. And she's like, I'm just trying to process here. And I'm like, I know you're going to process. But my suggestion is you forget about it. And she said, that's what I'm trying to do. I said, oh. She said, if I process it in this way, then I will forget about it. And I said, you know, we're so different, this is going to create a problem. Because I forget about it by not processing it. And by the time you're done processing it with me, I am just now starting to think about it. You process it with me so much that I can't forget about it. Now I'm going to start thinking about it. So now I want to talk to you about it, and you're done. <laughs> and so that's odd, right? But I say that to say this. You have to figure out how you're going to really allow the Spirit of God to work with you. There's not a formula per se that it will all work for every single person. But God says, this is how I created you. And if you will think on these things, which are all connected to me, and if your mind is stayed on me, everything that tries to stir you up, you bring it back to Christ. You bring it back to the obedience of Christ. That's what he's saying in 2 Corinthians. When anything, imagination, begins to exalt itself, the knowledge of Christ, you cast it down. You bring every thought to the obedience of Christ. And if your mind is stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you, God. We thank you for the inward working of the Holy Spirit of God. Help us, Lord, to see how we carry out and take the responsibility for that which you've done to determine we're going to bring it to the end. 
But then we realize that by the Holy Spirit, we're working in cooperation with your mighty power, with your ability to put the desire and the will, but also the power to carry it all the way through to Christ's likeness. For that is what we desire, to be more like you, to be fully pleasing to you, to honor you. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're our helper, you're our guide, you're our advocate. And we thank you so much that you are in us, transforming our life from one degree of glory to the next, as only you can do it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.